Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I talk to Christy, who's making about $3,000 per month. And this is after this COVID-19, uh, or actually during the COVID-19 pandemic, we're still smack dab in the middle of it as I'm recording this. And Amazon changed the commission rate structure in April of 2020, and Christie's earnings have continued to grow. Now, the cool part is her traffic has continued to grow too, consistently. So any of the algorithm updates that have been popping out over time have seemed to generally help Christie's site, which is awesome because her site's been around for almost a couple years, almost two years at this point. So you probably remember Christy from a few other episodes. I first talked to her in, I believe, January of 2019, and her site hit $100 for the first time, and it's been growing ever since. Christy actually lives in uh, like an area that I used to live in in Bozeman, so we were able to just hang out and have coffee occasionally, which is cool. And we were able to talk about her journey so far. It's been pretty awesome. And I'm, I'm proud to see all the progress that she's made. She's obviously worked super hard on this site. And just in general, she had a, a very strong background as a writer, which I think was helpful. And not only that, she is extremely skilled at building teams, especially teams of writers, hiring writers, training them, and I guess finding them, publishing their content, all, all the things that go along with that. So we get into the weeds pretty pretty deeply. And one of the other cool things is Christy gives us some tips on how she's been able to land some links via allowing people to guest post on her site. So it sounds a little counterintuitive and I wasn't actually like completely familiar with how she was doing it. But uh, fortunately for me, it was a piece of advice that I gave her that I forgot. So anyway, Christy always has a ton of knowledge. She's actually guest posted a few times over on Niche Site Project as a contributor. If you have further questions for Christy, let me know. Send them in via email, feedback at doug.show. I'll be able to bring her on for a, a future, future interview, future round. Perhaps we can go more in depth on the content aspect, for example. She has a ton of content on her site, very high quality, and the fact that her traffic continues to grow through algorithm updates, it's only you know more evidence of the quality of the content and her approach to content in general. Little favor, if you dig this episode, tell your friend, send it to someone who could be interested, share it in a Facebook group, and all that kind of stuff. Just spread the word. Really appreciate it. I'm going to send it to the interview with Christy now, and I'll see you on the other side. Hey, what's going on? It's Doug Cunnington here, and I'm with my friend Christy. How are you doing today? Hey, Doug. Good to see you. Yeah, it's been a while since we had you on, and I was—I think we were texting, and you were like, hey, things are still looking up even after uh, quarantine and, and COVID, and uh, there, there was a Google algorithm change, and Amazon changed their commission rates, but you have record earnings. So can you, is that right? It's record earnings? True. Yep. Yeah, things have actually been looking up in this uh, rather strange amount of time. So basically the site, I pulled some numbers this morning and 
the site in 2020, in the first six months, has already made more than it made in all of 2019, which is pretty cool. And when the Amazon cut happened in, I think, April, was it? Mm -hmm. Then I assumed that I would also see a drop. Uh, And I actually didn't see any. I saw an uptick in Amazon earnings consistently and still do. So this past month was the first time that I've hit 3000 in a month, which is exciting. Awesome. Congratulations. And can you give us some uh, history on the site? When did you uh, start it? How many posts are there now? And maybe the daily traffic, just so people have a scope of what you're working with there. The site started in October of 2018, technically, but I really didn't start putting content out until the very beginning of 2019. And the site currently has about 260 posts and probably 200 of those I made last year. So I definitely did a big content sprint early on trying to get that kind of early momentum going. And the last 60 or so I've done this year so overall, the site's made between 1000 and 3000 for the last probably nine months, which is really good. So it's got, you know, over 250 posts. I plan on adding another 50 really soon, which we can talk about in a little bit. And, you know, for its whole lifetime, it's made about 27000 27000 Nice. So that definitely paid for the... The cost of the course. You did pay for the course, yeah. I felt pretty good about being able to get an ROI on that. All right, nice. And I didn't mention it before, but you've been on on the channel, on the podcast a few times. So if people want to hear the history and like, I think I interviewed you when you first hit $100. And then that was actually pretty quick overall. So people can sort of track along and, and hear the journey. So and how has this sort of changed your life? Um, that is enough money that I suspect, you know, most people that can shift their perspective on things. Yeah. What I like about it is that I, for a full-time job, I run a services business of my own. And the main thing that anyone will tell you about services is that it's super hard to scale And unless you're really like in it, doing it, um, you're not going to be earning really, which has been true. It's been a good business for me, but it's also something where I'm like, in 20 years, am I going to want to be doing the services thing still? Maybe not. So the niche site was something for me where it's more planning for the future and seeing if I can build something on the side that slowly changes the balance of where my revenue comes from. So I have a lot of earnings goals that are related to what I currently make for my other business to say, hey, can I kind of stair-step this to take over more of my monthly revenue? So that's where it's been cool for me to see that it really can progressively earn more, right? The first month, I think I made like 70 bucks or something, you know, maybe, So at that point, you're like, I don't know if this is even a thing. This is not life-changing money. Uh, But by the time you get to, you know, 25, 30,000, and hopefully by the end of this year, you know, quite a bit more, 
that's real money. You know, I mean, it's paying to replace my laptop that's crapping out this month. So that's great. <laughs> but yeah, for me, it's more of a long-term goal. Like it's not a get rich quick thing, but it's something that I enjoy doing. And it's something that I can do that builds and keeps working even when I'm not doing anything to it. So that's great. Yeah. Congrats again. That's definitely a significant chunk of money. So, and I can't remember, did you mention how much traffic you're getting currently right now? Okay. So traffic wise, um, I did look back this morning just to see kind of February before things went a little cuckoo versus now. And in February I had about 1200 a day visitors and currently I have about 1700 to 2000 a day. So it's been really steady growth. Um, there was a blip in the middle about a month ago where one of my posts took off and that's kind of settled back out too. Uh, but for the most part, about 2000 a day is where I'm at now. Where's all that traffic coming from? Is it a spread between a few different sources? So initially, and I had written about this for you actually doing Pinterest was a place that I got some initial traffic before the SEO could pick up, you know, back last year. Currently, the balance of that has flipped and it's probably about 85% organic search, which is great, and about 8% from social, which is really just Pinterest, since that also functions as a search engine. So that's where I spend my my social capital, as it were. Do you have like a sense if that uh, Pinterest traffic converts well, either for ad revenue or for affiliate sales? So historically, I wouldn't say it's a power driver for affiliate sales, but all eyeballs earn about the same amount on the ad side. So since I put in ads back, oh gosh, when did I do that? Hold on. Uh, September. So September last year, I put in ads for Mediavine, my love. Little shout out to Mediavine. So since I put that in, really any eyeball that gets to the site still has potential to earn, which I like. So everything from Pinterest, I would count on more for ad revenue than for affiliates, which okay. is fine. And what's the spread from the affiliate revenue to the ad revenue? Sure. I think generally month to month, it's about two thirds Amazon affiliate and other affiliates. So I have a couple littler programs and then about a third from ads. Okay. And we'll, we'll go ahead and point out, we were chatting beforehand. Some people are probably thinking, Hey, traffic went up and you know, the traffic is making up the difference for the Amazon commission rate change. And Christy, do you generally agree with that? Is that what's happening here? You know, you can't be sure. I would say that that is probably part of it, but I don't think it's all of it. The niche that I picked, the products that I'm promoting are across a lot of different categories, which really helps me out, I think, with things like rate cuts. So it's not that I'm selling, you know, car batteries. That's it. Sites about car batteries. That's it. Um, you know, it's a site where it has a lot of different products, educational tools, apparel. Like there's a lot that can be into the equation of what people are going to be buying. 
So for me, that's just another way to diversify is the kinds of products that we're promoting. Okay. And then are you working with any other affiliate programs aside from Amazon? So I do have uh, two others that sell related types of products, but they're much smaller. So I might make 180 bucks off of that versus, you know, 1400 from Amazon. So okay. still the conversion rate is a lot higher for Amazon sure. than pretty much anything else, even if you get longer cookies with another program. So. Yep. And that's the hard part with it is yeah. you may get, you know, four times the commission rate and a 60 day cookie. But if people are only buying like one thing there, it's really hard to make up the difference. So at least at this point in time, the way the associate program is structured. So great. Great. You have a 260 posts you said, and I know that you like to write. You're a pretty good writer and you also worked with some writers. So do you have any like tips or guidance for people that are thinking, wow, I'm just launching and I only have, you know, 10, 15 articles, like how can I even compete with these big sites? Sure. It has been interesting to see that you can rank above a lot of bigger sites. So that was a good lesson for me, not on every topic. And you're not going to, you know, focus on the topics that I know I can't rank for, right? There are sites out there that are very established and there is no chance but for some of the smaller, longer tail keywords, I am actually ranking above the bigger sites, which is cool. So when I go to hire writers, it's a lot more for me about matching the right writer with a good topic. So I don't just go and assign a bunch of topics to writers from Upwork. I go through a process where I find people that I really like. I do a test post with them just to make sure that I like their style. I'm not spending more time cleaning it up than I am for them to do it. Um, but I also want them to be enjoying it. So I always give writers three to five different topics and have them pick what they want to be writing about. So I just find that I get better content that way. Um, I, I find a group of writers that I can go back to time and time again that do a good job and I treat them like humans because I am a writer and I value what they do. So. All right. And I think, yeah, that's a that's a good tip because I'm actually hiring a few writers right now and I did not do what you are saying. And it's, I'm literally just assigning it. I mean, I'm testing out the writers as well. 99% of people. It's just as a writer, (laughs) I like to go a little bit further and be like, what do you like writing about? And I'm trying, I'm trying a little bit, but early on when you first hire them, it's like, you don't know like what they're, what they're doing yet. That's yeah, that's a great tip. And how much of the content did you personally write? Do you remember? I would say over 50% was me. Um, I try to just kind of chip away at my list as things come up. I do a couple of content sprints in a year. So those are the times when I might get 50 posts using Upwork writers and I make it a defined period of time and I try to get everyone's stuff in within, you know, maybe it's two months and that just makes it more efficient for me than dribbling out content throughout the year. So typically if I'm hiring things, it's a couple times per year in a focused period of time. 
versus the content that I write. I just do that all year round when I have time. Okay. And when you, when you're working with writers and you're doing one of those sprints or even the ongoing, do you have your writers work in WordPress or are you the person in WordPress drafting everything? I am currently the person in WordPress because I'm a little bit type A, a little, a lot. (laughs) And it makes me nervous uh, to have other people in there. I know it's fine and you can do your user roles and all of that. But for me, I also spend so much time in the content that it wouldn't really save me anything not doing that piece myself. So typically I have them send me a Google doc and I find my own photos and I do all of that while I'm putting it into WordPress. And I like WordPress. It's fun. So sure. I don't mind doing that part. Uh, it is a lot. I do have one gal now that helps me with Pinterest and I've just given her basically a step-by-step guide for drafting things in WordPress. So I think the next time that I do a sprint, I will have her do that piece and then I'll just go in and focus on editing. Yeah, that makes sense. And I tend to do uh, the latter. And once I got someone to draft in WordPress, it like made everything much faster for me because I would... I would really slow the whole process down and for sure. Yeah. So I, I saved a lot of time on it, but I mean, I understand like, especially if you're in there all the time and you enjoy it and you're doing the images and that's fine. And speaking of images and we're sticking in the content area here, uh, where do you get your images? Um, Do you have any uh, like favorite places? So I typically get them from, Pixabay and Pexels, not sure if I'm saying that right, to just royalty-free sites. Uh, in the past, like early, early on, I would just do, you know, Google image searches for, you know, available for reuse, whatever. But now that makes me a little nervous just to try to keep track of all that stuff. So I try to just stick with a couple of sites. Um, one thing that I do want to do, I don't know if you want to talk about this now would be just looking at all the photos across my site and seeing if I can make them more diverse, Mm. right? So all the people in my niche are using kind of the same photo sites because that's just, you have to do it, right? I don't have enough photos of my own to handle 300 posts a year. So one thing that I do want to do Uh, in this next probably six, nine months, is try to build my own photo library by doing some outreach to key people in my niche and asking them to submit photos that they'll allow us to use and just making sure that that's a diverse set, that we're getting a better representation of everyone in our industry than I can get off of a regular stock site. So that's going to take a lot more time than just searching for the same old stuff but I feel like it's something that we should be doing and I want to be doing that outreach anyway. So it seems like two birds, one stone for me. Yeah. And I thought I never thought of that, but you mentioned, you know, reaching out to people on Instagram too, right? There it's literally a a picture platform. People are taking pictures and probably would love to have the recognition. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that's plan for the next, you know, six, nine months. I would love to build up my own library of 200, 300 photos across 
you know, different topics that I could be using. It won't, I, I can't use it for everything, but I could use it for a lot and make sure that the site showcases the diversity in our industry, at least. So, right. And would you um, pay the, the people or what's your idea to get this going? So my initial thought is when I do outreach, I'll say, you know, that this is a place for everyone's voices. Here's our guest posting process, which we have outlined on the site. So that's kind of ready to go. But then what I think I might do with the photos is to encourage people to submit photos with, you know, written approval to use them. And then I might be able to make a donation to a diverse organization within our industry for every photo that we receive. So I might be able to give back in that way. Um, so it's not directly, pay, you know, paying someone a dollar for a photo isn't necessarily <laughs> meaningful, but if I can pay several hundred dollars, several thousand dollars to a nonprofit that's doing good work, then everybody wins again. So. Do you have any idea, like any sort of agreement that you would have to have in place, like from a legal standpoint, like does it get complicated or can it be as simple as like a model release situation? I think it would be as simple as that. I think I would do some Googling for existing templates of like a photo waiver mm -hmm. and then just keep those all on file basically and make sure that yeah. everyone gets credit, right? So I would always credit back, link to their Instagram but it's something where I think people who spend a lot of time taking good photos want them out there. And especially now, there should be more faces, more voices. And I want my site to be one of those places where people feel at home. So Cool. Yeah, and I, I haven't heard of any like outreach to Instagram. I mean, maybe people are doing it, but it totally makes sense. And it could be like any photographer, or any sort of influencer. I mean really the pictures that we can get off our phones are, are pretty beautiful. amazing. Yeah. Okay. Pretty awesome. So another area that is sort of actually before we get to the blog acquisition. So we, I think that this is a really cool topic, but link building. So did you spend much time on link building? Like I know you, We've talked about outreach in the past, but yeah, where are you at in that sort of process? So initially I did not. Initially it was just content, 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 SEO research and content. I'm not sad about that. I think that was probably a good place for that first six months of my site. Then probably the last half of last year, you know, when I was talking with you, you were encouraging me to do more of that outreach, link building. And so that has definitely ticked up. I would say it's a steady uptick in links. I don't have a number for you, but it's been steady. And I do outsource a little bit of that to the gal who does my Pinterest. So guest posting and things like that. I have her follow up. We also bought um, a list of basically influencers within our industry, just contact info. Uh, nothing that I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to load these people into our email tool or anything like that, but for outreach, it saves me a step of going onto every website and finding contact information. So we now have about 300 influencers that we can do targeted outreach to. So that's exciting. So that'll be probably in the next six, nine months and we'll just be offering guest post opportunities and things like that. 
Okay. And where, where did you get the list? I'm sure some people are like, well, you bought a contact yeah. list. Yeah. It's not shady buying lists. I don't love, but this one is a list that I'm actually on. So we bought it through Feedspot. That's part of their platform and what they do. You could go line by line on their site and find them yourself. I'm too lazy to do that. Yeah. So, you know, when they, I think it was 150 bucks, you know, so maybe I'll get that money back out of it. Maybe not. I don't really care. What I want is the, you know, ability to develop relationships with people that are doing good work. So it's worth it for me. Yeah. And I think, I mean, at that price, cause I had no clue how much it would cost. I think I've seen that site, but I mean, it seems like a, a bargain. You potentially could hire someone to do like the manual right. um, checking, but I mean, that site, that platform is there for that specifically, right? Exactly. And I assume they do it for lots of different industries too. I haven't obviously looked for that, but I'm sure for many different niches, they have lists of influencers. Yep. That totally makes sense. So let's move to, oh, before we move on. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't know how many links or guest posts you've done. Do you have like, is it like less than 30 guest posts? Would you say? I'd say less than 30. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then I suspect you have some natural links that have shown up over time, correct? True. And when we get guest posts for our site, we also ask people to add a link from theirs. So that's the primary way that I do that is guest posts that come in to me. I then ask those people to link to their own post from their site. Do you have a pretty good success rate with that? Are people pretty open to it? Yeah, we just say it's required. <laughs> oh, okay, awesome. Yeah. Well, with that said, how many guest posts have you published from contributors? Sure, probably upwards of 40. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you yeah. probably have, you know, I would just ballparking, you at least have over 50 yep. backlinks to your site and it's across the site and all over the place. Okay, cool. And then you have the naturally occurring ones, which could right. be another, I mean, the site's been around long enough and you're ranking for some obscure long tail keywords. So my hunch is you probably got a bunch. Yeah. The nice part about the guest post linking back to us is those are highly relevant sites, right? So those are related to our topics, not just a link from some random who knows where they found us. So I'm hopeful that that is a bit better for Google to see that sites related to us are linking back to us. And what do you have on your like write for us page? Any tips for people in that? So we do have a write for us page. Um, I tell people that if they're making an inquiry about it, I would like basically a summary of their background. I would like a few topics ideas, but I also say that we will then pick the final topic, provide an outline. So I provide an outline for every guest post that we do, which is not normal, <laughs> but that lets me make sure that all the SEO words I want are there. So I do like the subheaders. I might include a list of FAQs that takes a lot more time, but that also makes sure that the guest post I'm getting back is still valuable from an SEO side and not just from a educational side. 
which is nice. But if you can have both, why not have both? So that's what I do for guest posts. And then on that page, I do say, you know, we request a link back to your published blog when we're done. So we don't hide that. It's right up front. No one has minded ever. Okay. Cool. And then do you specify where they link from on their site or do you care? Yeah. Well, what you and I had talked about earlier was it's not the best to have just two links going back and forth to the same content, right? So when I do a guest post, I'm linking back to their homepage, say, or a tool that they offer. Uh, When they give us a link, we ask them to write a dedicated, what I call a teaser post, which is just a short blurb about what it's about. We're featured on this site and then a link to their specific article. So we don't have cross beams to the same piece of content on each other's site. Um, it's us linking to their homepage and them linking out from somewhere else to their individual post. Perfect. Okay. And that seems to work pretty well. That makes mm-hmm. sense. All right. So let's move to the blog acquisition. Just can you break down what's been going on with that? Sure. So one day out of the blue, I wrote you and basically said, do people do this? Is this something that people do? They buy small blogs or No. And you said, sure, that'd be a great idea. So what basically happened is I have a friend that I met through this project, of course, who had a small blog, but she wasn't really keeping it up anymore. It wasn't her priority project. She had other things that she was starting. And so there was basically a blog sitting out there with about 50 posts that she wasn't adding to. And it was like a guilt complex for her which I understand of, man, I should be keeping this current, right? I should be putting more content out there, but it wasn't something that she was enjoying doing anymore. So there was just all this content sitting out there and her over here feeling guilty, which seems silly. So it occurred to me, maybe I could just buy her small blog. She stops feeling guilty about keeping it up. She stops paying for hosting. She stops paying for anything about it. And I could take those 50 blog posts that are not SEO optimized yet. They weren't sitting on a site with high quality ads. And I could probably improve that content and basically have 50 pieces of new content for my site overnight, right? It takes time to move the content and do all of that. But essentially, I'm not waiting for writers to write posts. Um, and I could do it all for less money than it would take me to hire someone to write 50 posts. So that seemed like a pretty great experiment. And now I'm in the midst of that. So we worked out a price. Um, I basically asked her for traffic numbers, you know, where her traffic comes from. Her site was primarily social traffic, which is different than my profile. Mine is mostly SEO. I bought all of her social channels with it. I bought her email list with it, which about doubled the size of mine, which is not a lot. It's like 300 people, but it's still more than I have. And that's great. And it's very relevant people. So the people who liked her site will also like what we are doing. So I'm now in the process of moving that content over for phase one and just getting it out there. And then phase two will be going back to every post and basically looking for the KGR terms 
that I could have within that post, updating titles, adding FAQs, making content longer and better. But really, it was just skipping some steps on having content that was ready to go. So I'm kind of excited about that. Now I want to acquire everything. Do you have any idea how long it'll take to like migrate the content over? Do you have a scope of that yet? So far, we migrated maybe a fifth of it. And that's in the past five days. So I don't think it'll take too long, a couple of weeks. Um, working with a developer on the backend stuff to get things rerouted and figure that out. I've never done that before. So that stuff's new. But I think once I do it and I learn what the process should be, it wouldn't be hard to do it again. So in the back of my mind, that feed spot list that we bought of 300 blogs, part of me wants to go back and see, are there some blogs that people aren't keeping up anymore that still have good content that I could just offer to buy? So, yeah. And it's pretty, it's interesting. Like, you know, when you emailed me, I was like, Oh, that, that is great. I mean, I've, purchase some smaller sites. And I think that fits, you know, cause I have the skills to like grow a site, but I've never like went out looking like, Hey, I'm going to acquire a site. And, you know, like you said, all of a sudden you'll get like an influx of 50 articles in a super short time, cheaper than if you wrote it or, you know, um, originally hired a team and all that. Um, so we'll have to check back in to see how that ended up working out. Um, and it could be, gosh, I have no idea, but I mean, you're I basically adding, let's see, you're adding 20% more uh-huh. content like off the bat. Right. Now, how much traffic was uh, her site getting? Very little, like maybe, I want to say 3,000 visitors a month, maybe. Okay. Um, it had no SEO on it and it had very little ads, like one strip of Google AdSense on the bottom of a post, like no in-content ads, none of that. So for me, part of why it was appealing was knowing that I don't need to make affiliate income off of it. I can also make ad income off of just, you know, the 65,000 words that I bought basically. And so I still have some confidence that I can make back what I spent. And even if I don't make it completely back, that's fine. I didn't go out and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on the site. I spent, you know, less than $2,000 to buy something that maybe could do some good. And it was great for her. And now we're both happy. So awesome. (laughs) Pretty cool. Yeah. And I mean, if you just look at the raw numbers, assuming that the social traffic keeps coming, you know, you're adding, you know, a little more traffic to your site, a significant amount, not a huge, yeah. crazy amount, but it's, um, what did you say? 3000 visitors 3, per month. Okay. Yeah. So it's a little, I mean, you'd, you'd potentially notice that if you got yeah. 3000 well, more per month. Those articles are improved from an SEO side. They have a lot more potential. The other thing that we ended up doing, which was, I'll have to give credit to him, my dad's idea. She had basically a, an email magnet, a list magnet of a five-day course that was an email course. I already have a list magnet and I wasn't really looking to change that. But there were five days of email content sitting out there that each had a video in them. And technically, I bought that too with the site. 
So basically we took each of those videos and transcribed them into copy to give us essentially five new articles. Oh. So we took our email list magnet and turned them into five brand new articles that weren't out there before. So oh, that was that's pretty cool. And yeah, you highlighted something there. So you have, um, is it free labor from your father? He's, or do you pay yeah, him? My retired father. So we actually, he reads all the posts that go out. So he's my editor, which is great. And yeah, we have kind of a complimentary skill set. So that's worked out. Nicely. That's, that's pretty fun. Yeah. So he, you, you pay him hourly or is it uh, I, is I a pay part owner? pastries and iced tea. <laughs> so far we've, we've both found that to be a win. So yeah, it's really Sweet. fun though. You know, it's the kind of project that we can just work on together and it's something we do in our spare time and he's retired and I own my own business. So I work when I want and yeah, I love it. There's really nothing about the site that I don't love. So very cool. Very cool. One other thing uh, to hit on is just Google algorithm updates and they, they seem to be coming more frequently. You know, there's usually at least a couple or three per year. Um, how have you fared over the past couple years? So this is the kind of thing that I would naturally get really anxious about and research and, just go down the rabbit holes. And you had told me early, early on, just don't worry about it. And so I don't worry about it. I don't research them when they come out. I don't look to see what happened. I don't bother. So for me, it's like, I'm going to keep doing what I think of as a best practice and Google will do what it is doing. And I'm not going to try to play the system. So yeah, the answer is, I don't really look and I don't really care. <laughs> well, I was going to say, it sounds like your traffic has generally been going up the whole time, right? Yep. So you've been unimpacted because uh, what happens sometimes is um, basically I hear from people that do zero link building at all. And oftentimes, you know, they're like, everything was fine. I haven't done anything. I, I don't even have any links to my site. And then, they'll drop for whatever reason. And it could be, you know, your content is so well focused, you're interested, passionate about the uh, niche in general. And then you've taken a, a lot of attention and care to make sure the content's good. So it may be like, because the content's so good and you have links. I mean, I think it's helpful. They're super relevant. So maybe all that together is helping out. I don't know. I mean, I think the... <laughs> Google algorithms, the point of the changes is to try to direct people to better content that is closer to what they're searching for. So from my perspective, as long as I am making good content and helping Google find it, I can't imagine why an algorithm change would be bad for me. You know, I guess in my mind, I just think maybe that will help more people find it, I guess. Yeah. Well, and one of my uh, one of my friends, Rob Atkinson, I interviewed him recently. At the time that we're recording this, it hasn't gone live yet. But by the time people listen and or watch this, it will. So, one interesting thing: Rob has a huge site. It's like a seven figure per year site. 
insane, just a niche site, you know, but he has been hit by the algorithm changes. He has excellent content, great links. Like it's a, you know, a robust, like very great website. And what he observed was sometimes, right. They'll drop not off page one, but they'll drop from like number one to number five. And a lot of times it'll just be a shuffling on page one that greatly impacts the traffic but the quality of the results on the first page is basically the same. Right. Uh, so it's, it, he, he was sort of speculating like Google just shuffles it around every now and then for certain niches. But and that may be too. I think sometimes they just do testing to see, you know, obviously what people are clicking on. So maybe by doing some shuffling on the first page, they're just confirming, do people actually really want that article or are they just clicking on what's first? I could see that being the case for me. Most of my stuff is not ranking number one. A decent amount of it is on page one, but again, I'm not even, I'm not even tracking individual keywords. I'm just moving forward. So that's the best, best advice I could give is it's so easy to get bogged down in the data. And a lot of times, you know, going in a couple of times a year and looking at the data, seeing what's happening with your content is good but every day is just going to really stop you from making more content. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's, it's surprising because some people just spend all the time in the data. And then, I mean, I think getting caught up in the algorithm updates, like obviously if you notice your traffic dropped a lot, like you, you, you'd check around, but unfortunately like nowadays, usually there's nothing you could do. You just have to wait for another, I mean, especially if you're doing the right stuff right. already. Sometimes, you know, people are publishing crappy content or something like that, but yeah, it's uh, it's pretty nuts out there. So let's see. One other area that I think we needed to get to was, I don't see where I need to go. Is there anything else? that you could think of? Yeah, I could share just a few things that we're thinking about doing in the next, I'd call it new six months. Sure. So an exercise that I'm going through this week actually is what I call a tree exercise. We did it back in my corporate life where you essentially pick out leaves, branches, trunks, and roots. I don't know if you've done this, where it's basically a delegation tree. So leaves are things that I don't even want another happening. I just want them to happen. I don't want anyone to talk to me about it. Just make it happen. Don't tell me about it. Branches are, you know what, give me a heads up, but I still really don't need to know much about it. I just want to know that it's happening. Trunks are, you know what, I want to be involved in this process. I want to make sure I'm approving the things that are going out, but I'm not physically doing it. And then roots are like, these are my babies. These are the things that I am focused on doing. I want to own the process for them. So I'm going through that exercise, which I've done for work a bunch of times. I'm now doing it for my niche site to see, I have one gal who does my Pinterest and some of my outreach that I really do trust. And then, so I'm going through my list basically and seeing what do I still want to be doing myself? What do I maybe want to delegate? so that I can spend more time on those kind of root activities. So things like putting posts into WordPress, 
I'm going to be giving up because there are maybe better places for my time. And that is something that someone else is capable of doing. (laughs) So that's an exercise I'm going through now so that I can spend some more time on some bigger projects that I want to do, like creating um, basically a knowledge directory of other courses in my niche. So instead of putting all my time right now into creating my own course, when I don't have a huge email audience to sell it to anyway, um, that's not a priority. So what I do want to do is highlight other people who already have really good educational content and make a directory from that, work on our email list growth, work on that diversity project we talked about, um, and then just kind of building probably another content sprint into the calendar in the next maybe quarter to get that done. So I want to be sure that I'm doing that every year, but that takes a lot of time on my root section, right? Doing all the keyword research, coordinating the writers and doing all of that. So that's kind of where we're headed for the next six months. Nothing earth shatteringly different than what we've been doing, but just more of what's working. Very cool. And you mentioned like a a course maybe in the future or something like that. So is that just kind of out there, like no specific plans? It is. The reason being, I do like the diversification of revenue, right? I put in ads early on in my site. I'm not sad I did that. Um, Amazon plus a couple other programs that like the diversification, just it's less risk, obviously. Courses are something that I would build out for the future, but it's not something where I want to dump $10,000 to make a massive course without an audience at this point, right? So I have a steady stream of web traffic, but I don't have a community that is built up over years and that kind of level of trust that you need to sell a big course. So I don't feel a need to do that, but I might just start dabbling in smaller mini courses and get some new content out there that I'm not seeing other places. And meanwhile, you know, be promoting people who do have good content already. And that makes sense. I mean, I know a lot of, it's the best way to start, I think, is with affiliate marketing, (laughs) other products, whether it's physical or the digital products, because then you'll, you'll know what's selling. Mm -hmm. You don't have to spend all the time and effort and capital in developing the product. And then you can still earn from it, but then there's less skin in the game, at least early on. Agreed. Very cool. Content is kind of the biggest thing that I know works. So if I'm going to be investing a lot of, you know, money at a particular time in the site, that's the first place that I'm going to put it. Cool. All right. Well, any tips, and this is sort of the, the last, last little bit. So any tips for people that are like, maybe they haven't started their site yet, or maybe they're just sort of launching and they're, they, they're not earning like $100 per month yet, sure. something like that. The thing I would say that's kept me going the most is picking a niche that I really do like. So if the content wasn't something that I cared about, if I picked a certain product on Amazon, you know, vacuum cleaner bags, I'm not going to still be doing it a year and a half mm-hmm. later. Um, so for me, it's, this is something that I want to enjoy doing. I don't just want money from it. 
right? I want the whole experience of doing it. I like learning about it. So the biggest piece I think for me is pick something that you actually care about. Yes, it has to be viable, right? If, if your space is super crowded and you're never going to break through in it, that's probably setting yourself up for failure. But if you can go about it in a new way or niche down a little bit into something that you really care about and enjoy doing, I mean, I, I literally never get tired of working on the site. It's fun. And if it made me half as much, I'd still be doing it. So. Yep. And just a quick note, when you were, when we were talking early on back in probably November of 2018, when you were trying to figure out like exactly what to uh, pick for your niche, I was like, I don't know anything about it. Right. It, seem, it sounds maybe too obscure. I'm right. not sure. I don't know if you're going to be able to make it work, but I assume, you know, that there's enough products out there and there's enough people interested. And, uh, I was like, I think it's going to be okay if you go for it. And you were like, all right, I'll do it. Exactly. So I definitely, I went through all the exercises of looking at different options. I just didn't want to do them. I just wanted to do this one. So I was like, I'm going to make it work. It's going to be great. We're going to find things that other people are not doing. There's tons of room on the internet. You know, not every topic is covered, even when it feels like every topic is covered. It's not, or it's not covered well. So really, like there's still room, even in big categories that are pretty popular, there's still room to do it better or do it you know, in a more specific way. And that just makes you want to keep working on it. I think that's mm -hmm. pretty important. And one, one other observation, which I, I haven't thought about this before, but it's, uh, it's a niche like many of them out there that has been around for a long time. It will probably be around in the future. And there's no I guess like cyclical nature to it it's not where bad. it's not seasonal. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, personally, I'm thinking about like beer and beer brewing because that's another sure. one where, you know, beer brewing has been around for a while and people <laughs> drink alcohol um, right. when there's a pandemic or when there's not a pandemic. Mm -hmm. So yeah, evergreen, evergreen topic, that one. Exactly right. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thanks a lot, Christy, for joining us again. And uh, we'll definitely have you back on once we get some more results from some of the things that you've been working on. And I guess I could tease people if you're interested out there. We went through an exercise, I guess Christy actually went through this uh, more specifically where she went through an improved content on her site and we saw pretty good results, I, I think right off the bat. So we can cover that in depth. We can kind of cover some of the high points of what uh, we went through. And I think we were chatting before, right? Like we don't know how much the traffic went up, but it seems right. to be good, right? Yep, exactly. I'd rather have steady traffic than peaks and valleys all over the place, right? I'm in it for the long haul. So if I can steadily earn a little bit more and steadily pick up the traffic a little bit more over a year, that makes me completely happy. All right, cool. So if you're interested in hearing more in that area to basically how to grow your traffic on your existing site, which I think everybody wants to do, shoot me an email, feedback at doug.show and um, we'll see what we could pull together. So thanks, Christy. Appreciate it. Cool. Thanks, Doug. 
Thanks again to Christy for joining me. And don't forget, if you want to hear more from her, if you have specific questions, just let me know. Feedback at Doug.show. Quick plug for a tool that I use called Grammarly. So I've been talking a little bit more about Grammarly because I've been using it a little bit more. Now, I've been a premium member of Grammarly, which I think it cost about a hundred bucks. I don't remember off the top of my head and prices change over time, but you can get the free version and it will help clean up some of the silly mistakes that we make in content or perhaps that your writers make in content. So improper comma usage is huge. I I couldn't, you know, get my, I couldn't, what is, what's the expression? I couldn't beat my way out of a wet paper bag with a comma. I don't think that's the expression, but the point is I don't know how to use a comma. I'm getting better at it in general, but I think that was, that was one of the things that I, I was never strong with. I'm getting much better though. Much, much better. Grammarly will tell you where to put the comma. It'll underline the text in red and tell you to put a little comma there. Also, if you misspell a word or forget to capitalize or any number of just like silly common errors, it'll pick up on that. And typically, you know, just having a writer use that before they send you content is going to clean up a lot of the errors. If you use the premium version, it will help improve your writing by cleaning it up. And it'll also tighten up what you're trying to say. So a lot of times we put in extra words that generally weaken what we are trying to convey. Generally, those words just add fluff. And if you're getting content from a writer, to be honest with you, they may be adding fluff in there to hit a word count. So you're able to strip that out or hopefully have your writer strip it out before it even gets to you. In the premium version, the big thing is it has a plagiarism check. One of the most common questions I get is around hey, what do we do if we get content and we don't know if the writer copied it? We have no idea who the writer is. Grammarly has a plagiarism check and it, I don't know where they keep the database, but it runs the content through their huge database of billions of web pages. That's what it says, billions of web pages. And if there is like 1% of common text all in the same order, it'll tell you, hey, there's 1% from this article, here's the link. And it'll tell you every single little piece. So you have a pretty good handle. And I actually busted a writer just yesterday where I put in the content that he sent me. And there was like a two and a half, two to two and a half sentences that he copied verbatim from the manufacturer's site. Not cool. So I let him know. I sent him the link that he copied it from. And I was like, Hey man, we can't have this. You need to fix that. I'm not going to hire him again. And you know, he fixed it and I'm going to go on about my day and not work with him anymore. But that is the value of the premium version. So check it out. There's a link in the description so you can learn a little bit more. Well worth it. And even for honestly, just sending emails, it's totally worth it. Sending emails, you'll be able to, to clean up your writing and you know make sure you're not making a boneheaded mistake, sending it off to someone important. And further, I mean, as a as a writer on Niche Site Project and pulling together other content, it's very helpful for me to use Grammarly to clean up, tighten up my writing and just get rid of the fluff. It's really easy to do that. And actually, 
I'm thinking about some of the first content I wrote over on Niche Site Project where perhaps I was trying to use bigger words than I needed to and I was trying to sound important instead of just you know writing things in the simplest, easiest to understand way. I should probably go clean up some of that stuff. So anyway, check out Grammarly, link in the description. I'm, a, I'm an affiliate, so I get a commission if you do sign up. I think I'm going to end it uh, here. Thanks again to Christy and I'll catch you on the next episode. <laughs>